Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure that you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Who's happy to be in the house this morning? Great worship experience. And a big welcome to our other locations. Uh, city location is in this morning as well, as in, well, actually, I'm there, but I'm here. So, but because we're on video, we're online, so you're seeing me, even though I'm not there, I am there. So you can't say I don't ever come because I'm actually there right now with you. That's exciting. And then, of course, welcome to Christchurch as well. Christchurch uh, location, so good to have you as well this morning. So, and there also Saxton as well. So great, fantastic. Thanks worship team, that was brilliant. And uh, thanks everybody for turning up this morning because if you didn't turn up, well, I'd still have people to speak to because you know we're a, we got video, but uh, otherwise it would be a bit quiet in the house. So not too much quietness, please, this morning. That would be good. Because uh, I'm gonna speak about feasting and I'm pretty sure it's a, a topic that we'd all like to know a little bit more about. Uh, in fact, I think it's a topic that, that uh, particularly in Christendom, that there doesn't seem to be too much information on it. There's a lot of information on fasting, but there's not much information on feasting. And so I thought, uh, well, I was given the topic and I was pretty excited about it, to be honest, because I'm a bit of a foodie fan. Anyone here a foodie fan? So I love to, uh, I actually like to cook. I actually like to create. Uh, and I, I find a lot of uh, joy out of doing that. Um, I'm not up to the standard of probably others who, other foodies who would probably, every time they make something, they will always take a photo and then they'll put it on Instagram so that everybody can like it even though they can't taste it. Uh, I'm sure that those photos they are purely only about looks, not about taste. Uh, you can only taste my food rather than see it. Uh, so uh, you're welcome. Uh, I, I enjoy uh, both the making and the eating of food. <laughs> my favourite, by the way, is roast lamb. I do enjoy cooking a good roast lamb, although they're getting more expensive as the days go on. My favourite dessert is the good old supermarket pavlova. It's already there, it's already done. In fact, last week, I found my second favourite, which is Brandy Snaps. So they don't, they're not always in the supermarket, right? It's real interesting. So anyway, they're there, but these ones were special because they had already had cream put in them in the supermarket, believe it or not. Yep, four of them for $8. And I thought to myself, should I? Or shan't I? And uh, anyway, so I decided that I'd be a good boy and I bought them. <laughs> and you might say, Brent, there's so much sugar in that stuff. Like so much sugar in pavlova. Like, that's pretty much all it is, right? Pavlova is just pretty much sugar. And that's exactly right. That's why I buy it and that's why I eat it. It's just <laughs> so good for me. Uh, last night we were at a banquet. We, we were feasting last night with friends, 
that we'd never met before, a lot of them, uh, but they were all our neighbours. So we had a what's called a Rocks Road get-together. Uh, and this Rocks Road is the road that we used to live on. We don't live on there at the moment, which is a bit sad, but uh, we still own some property there. Uh, but we are trying to find a way through in regards to how to get our house back into order again uh, after the, the rains and all that from about nine weeks ago now. So we still haven't heard from insurance. We haven't heard from EQC. We have a meeting with Nick Smith tomorrow night, but I don't know if there's too much news on that front anyway. But anyway, still good to go to meetings. <laughs> uh, anyway, we... we, we <laughs> Viv and I, we, like our favourite thing beyond roast lamb and pavlova and brandy snaps is actually KFC, believe it or not. <laughs> hey, I'm amazed. Yeah, like people are shocked, right? Because why would you go to KFC and buy KFC? I mean, it's the worst food ever. Well, I tell you what, we were at this banquet last night. I bought a bucket of Wicked Wings. <laughs> oh, sorry. 20 of them. 20 in this bucket of Wicked Wings. Anyway, so we go to this banquet and like this, I don't know how many people were there, 30, 30 people. They'd, everyone had brought something, like there was crayfish on the table. Like there were, plat, there were platters on the table, there beautiful, beautiful food. on the, And here, I just threw this bucket of KFC Wicked Wings right in the centre of it. And, uh, and you could just feel in the air, it wasn't probably the most appropriate thing to take. <laughs> But here's the thing, you ready for this? I had one piece. That's all I could have. The rest of it just went straight away. It went faster than the crayfish went. Which I was blown away by, but I don't know, don't know what it is about KFC. Just, uh, and, and thank you, Jamie, that Richmond now has KFC. One of the reasons I say thank you is because I drove past Richmond KFC and it was packed, cars down the road. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Tahuna because the, the meeting was in Tahuna anyway. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Tahuna. I walked in, walked out. Within two minutes, I had my bucket of Wicked Wings. So there we go. Everybody's turning up to Richmond these days. Anyway, what's that got to do with feasting? Anybody enjoy feasting? Does anybody actually like food? Does anybody not like food? I mean, is it something that you just kind of like find a drudgery, like just like, oh, this is so annoying. And what, 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 I'm wasting my time eating. How many, you can't waste a lot of time eating, right? Imagine if you didn't have to eat, you would probably have a lot more time up your sleeve. But I've done some research and I've found that it is a practice of Jesus. Feasting is a practice of Jesus. It is absolutely a kingdom expression. And it's my privilege to speak on it. Okay, so three times in the Gospels, Jesus begins with this sentence that says, the Son of Man came. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says there, and I think we've got it on the screen, it says that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. No, we don't have it on the screen. Okay, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, right? So uh, one, one reason. The second one is, says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. That was Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Oh, there it is. Uh, the Son of Man came to, not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. That's meant to be. Uh, 
Then thirdly, it says this, Luke 7 verse 34. I was blown away when I saw this. But it says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Look at those first two again. What was the first one? Go back there, Amos. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And the second one, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. And then thirdly, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. The first two are the why, and the third one's the how. I mean, this is amazing. So here's Jesus, the Son of Man, coming to seek and to save the lost. And how did He do it? By eating and drinking. I'm into it. Let's do it. This is a great evangelistic service this morning. I mean, this is the most evangelical uh, way that we can go is actually through uh, eating and drinking. The book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, talks about um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And they are surrounded by trees full of food that God had provided for them. And in Genesis, it says that these trees were pleasant to the sight and good for food. In fact, the word Eden means pleasure or delight. So good food has been a staple since the beginning of time. Now, for all of you who, you know, that's all about trees and eating plant food. Uh, You kind of think, well, where'd the meat thing come in? Well, apparently the meat came in after the flood, right? So uh, meat is still included. God introduced it after the flood, after Noah. Just a sideline thought, just to appease the meat eaters versus the plant eaters. Okay, very good. All right, so we flick through, uh, I guess, some of the old, no, not some of the, yeah, some of the drier books of the Old Testament. Have you read some of those recently? Uh, You'll be introduced to feasts. Okay, so you've got seven recorded feasts in Scripture. Uh, one is the Passover feast, the other one's the unleavened bread, feast of unleavened bread, the first fruits feast, the Pentecost or feast of weeks, the feast of trumpets, day of atonement, and feast of tabernacles and the Purim festivals. People would come together to these feasts or at these feasts and they would celebrate the past and look forward to the future. Pretty much that was about. Remember what God had done back in the days gone by. They celebrated with each other and in the presence of God. So this was something that the Jewish people loved to do. And uh, they had a lot of feasts. (laughs) They had a lot of festivals. They had a lot of feasts. Okay, so keep moving forward. We get to the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah begins to prophesy and he begins to foretell a day when all of God's people will celebrate together. And look at what it says, Isaiah chapter 25 and verse six. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. And not only does he just say that, um, he, he actually goes into detail. It's going to be a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. So uh, there we go. For all you plant eaters, you're gonna be missing out. You're gonna need to get that sorted before you get to heaven, okay? (laughs) The finest of meats. The best of meats and the finest of wines. It foretold something that we all get to participate in in the hope of things to come. All right, you still with me? 
Okay, now let's go to the book of Luke. Let's, let's go into a bit of a story here. One of the reasons why I'm going into Luke is because Dr. Luke was a foodie. He wrote the stories of Jesus and it was always wrapped around food. Did you know that? Have we got a photo there, Amos, that you can put up there? I'll just show you. Like, seriously, here's, I think there's 10 dinners, 10 meals in the book of Luke that Jesus was attending. He either went to it, uh, was going on the way to to a meal, he was at the meal, or he was coming from a meal. So Dr. Luke was definitely very keen on the food idea. We've got the banquet at Levi's house, dinner at Simon's house, the feeding of the 5,000, home of Mary and Martha, the dinner at the Pharisee's house, the Sabbath meal at a Pharisee's house, hospitality at the home of Zacchaeus, the Last Supper, the breaking of bread together. Jesus eats meal with his with the disciples, two of the disciples. So we've got this whole kind of concept of Food! (laughs) And it's so good. So Jesus came eating and drinking. But there was a bigger reason. It wasn't just about the eating and the drinking. There was a bigger reason behind it, right? Look at this incredible story, Luke chapter. Oh, look at this, by the way, before we go into Luke chapter, whatever the chapter is that we're going to go into. This is real interesting. So much about uh, Jesus being accused of eating and drinking. Um, the religious people of that time accused Jesus of going to too many parties and too many, too much feasting. It says in verse thirty-four, Luke chapter seven, verse thirty-four: "The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees because they're they're kind of accusing him of all this." going on, all this eating and drinking. You say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And, uh, and I'll, we'll read the whole story because it's really, really important. But this, this is really interesting that Jesus earns this incredible weird reputation of eating and drinking, of being a glutton and a drunkard. <laughs> so that's how the Pharisees saw it. Pretty amazing uh, when you think of that. Uh, he's always sharing, he's always having meals, he's always eating. But the thing is with Jesus, it was always with others. It was always with others. Okay, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Now, before we go there, I want to ask you a question. If you could have one living person over for dinner, who would it be? One living person over for dinner, who would it be? Who would you want sitting around the table with for a long, enjoyable meal? Who would you choose? Great question. Okay, everyone got someone in their mind in regard to that? Okay, here's another question. Second question. Now think, who you would never want to eat with? Who would you never want around your table? Did I hear Brent just then? Did I? <laughs> we know, well, I'm not going to invite Brent because he just brings KFC. <laughs> right, okay. Okay, so who would you invite and who wouldn't you invite? Got those people in mind? All right, let's read this, let's read this scripture. 
After this, verse 27, Luke chapter 7. After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet, a grand banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours just go on eating and drinking. Isn't this great? Like, it just solves my whole fasting problem right there, you know. <laughs> um, yours just go on eating and drinking. I love that. Jesus answered, can you make friends for the bridegroom fast? While, can, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins and no one after drinking old wine wants the new for they say the old is better. So, Great story. And what, with whom would you most like to share a meal? Keep that in your mind. And would, with whom would you never eat? Okay. Our answers reveal what we actually believe matters. Who we believe belongs and who does not. In other words, our answers reveal what we believe even about salvation. Our most desired guest often shows what we think it looks like to have arrived, to finally be satisfied, fulfilled and accepted. This is like, this is what it takes. This is, this is who I want to be. If what we value is being accepted by our friends, then we might, we might want to eat with the coolest person we can imagine. True? If we value competence, then we might want to eat with the smartest person. If, we, if, if status is a value of ours, then we, would, we might want to eat with the most powerful or successful person. But even more revealing is who we would leave off the guest list permanently. People who do not measure up, whose lives, whose choices, whose circumstances or character that disgust or disappoint us. So we push them to the side and out of our lives. The Bible tells us that Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. In fact, his life was so changed by this moment, uh, we actually know him as Matthew, who was the writer of the first gospel. In no period of history have people enjoyed paying taxes, right? But the tax collectors of Jesus' day were particularly despised. 
And Jesus sees Levi sitting in his phone booth and says, hey, Levi, I want you to follow me. And Levi gets up, follows him, leaves, leaves everything and follows Jesus. To be loved, to be called by Jesus changed everything for Levi. He left his job, he left his life, everything because of the joy of following Jesus. Levi was likely to be wealthy, likely had much in the way of possessions, but he lived on the outside far, far from God and far from God's people. For someone like Levi who would have lived on the edge, the welcome of Jesus was transformative. It was joy and it was life. It was like cool water after years of walking in the hot sun for Levi. Levi leaves everything to follow Jesus. And in his joy of knowing Jesus, he wants all his friends to meet him. So what does Levi do? It's time for a feast. Levi held this incredible banquet for Jesus and his friends at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others joined in the feast. Amazing. Levi's response to the new life that he's found is to throw a party. We got a party. And he throws this party and he invites invites his tax collector mates and others and he invites Jesus. Jesus turns up and he eats with them. A simple and yet powerful gesture. They share a meal, which is a sign of love and is a sign of respect. It's a, it's a sign of affection. It's the most amazing welcoming feeling any person could ever have. A sign that they belong together. You are one of us and we are you and you are us and we're in this together. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to His disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees were a people far from a group known for their passion for God. Their outstanding and holy lives and their devotion to living every second of their lives in obedience to God. They show up and cannot believe what they are seeing. Jesus, God's chosen Messiah, and the disciples are eating with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees agreed that God's kingdom was going to be a party. They had no problem with that. They weren't objecting to the choices of food or even the beverage. They weren't objecting at this point to Jesus eating and drinking by itself. It wasn't the problem. Their problem was the guest list. Tax collectors. It just did not compute with them. And not only were they outcasts, they were collaborators. They worked for the enemy. 
They were Jews, but they worked on behalf of the Romans collecting the taxes from the Jews. They were hated. And here Jesus was eating with how they thought and what they thought were the enemies of God. And yet eating is a sign of belonging. And so no wonder the Pharisees got upset. How can Jesus eat with these enemies of God? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. And there is grace around Jesus' table. So Jesus eats with the outcasts. He eats with the unclean. He eats with those who are on the margins. He breaks bread with the people others would rather have left off the guest list. He eats even with sinners, even with enemies. So Jesus at Levi's table shows us three things about the way that Jesus is working out His mission. Number one, first of all, bringing salvation to the lost and the broken means getting your hands dirty. It involves eating and drinking with them, setting aside comfort and respectability in order to share the Gospel with them. See, Jesus came not just about eating and drinking, but Jesus came to raise the dead, to justify the guilty and the condemned, to wash those who were dirty and unclean. He came to rescue the lost from hell, to clothe with His glory those who were covered with shame and to renew to eternal life those who were trapped in sin and death. And if we remember that this is why Jesus came, that this is why He took on flesh, why He shed His blood, why He offered the sacrifice of His death, why He descended even into hell, then we should never think it strange that God saves the worst of people. These are the people that the Pharisees despised and they believed them to be unworthy of the grace of Jesus Christ. But why else did Christ sacrifice His life and take on the curse of the cross so that He might stretch out His hand to those lost in sin? The Pharisees want Jesus to be like a doctor who avoids sick people. That would be a bit strange, wouldn't it? Dr. Robert, nod from Dr. Robert. But it is the sick who need Him. It is the lost and broken who need Jesus. So of course, He's gonna be found where? Eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. Second thing. The second thing Jesus, uh, that about Jesus at Levi's table shows us that eating with Jesus changes us. Eating with Jesus changes us. Levi was not the same after knowing Jesus. He left his old life for the joy of Jesus. He could no longer live that life anymore. And Jesus says that He came to call sinners to repentance. 
eating with Jesus, the welcome, the friendship, the incredible grace doesn't leave us the same. We are changed by eating with Jesus. As Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is past. Behold, everything has become new. The third thing, or the last thing that we see in Jesus sitting at Levi's table is that those who know their need are closer to the kingdom than those who think they are well. Those who know they are in need or they know their need are closer to the kingdom than those who think they are well. The Pharisees were astounded with, that Jesus ate with sinners because they didn't consider themselves to be among them. The people who knew how far they had fallen were the first to respond to Jesus. The people who knew how much they needed saving were the most joyful when they encountered Jesus. It was the respectable, the put together Pharisees who couldn't handle Jesus. The irony in Jesus saying He did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance is that there are not any truly righteous people in the world. There never has been except for Jesus. Only Jesus is righteous. All the rest of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The guests at Levi's party knew it and they rejoiced when they saw Jesus. The Pharisees denied it and they found themselves on the outside. Go back with me to these two people that you had fixed in your minds. With whom would you love to eat with? With whom would you never want to eat with? And here's a third question. With whom would Jesus eat with? With whom would Jesus eat with? See, there was a grace around Jesus' table. Grace at the table. I wasn't just saying grace. It was all of who Jesus was. Grace, grace, grace. Is the same grace found around your table? Do we eat with tax collectors and sinners? Do, we, do, do the people we eat with encounter Christ and His transforming grace? Every banquet I know of, I probably can't remember too much about what it was, except I remembered the KFC, you know, from last night and the crayfish. Fair enough. But ultimately, you remember the relationships. You remember meeting new people. You remember the people. And also you have conversations with people you would never normally have in any other environment or any other situation. Amazing conversations last night. So I've got one challenge for you this week. Eat with someone. Pull away your list. Just find something, someone, find someone to eat with. Not that hard. You could let kind of God know about it. He might lead you to the right person. 
That could be good. But then don't come to me during the week and say, well, you know, God never spoke to me about who to invite, so I didn't. I think that's a bit of a cop out. Just find somebody. Find someone to eat with. It's always a bit of a challenge, isn't it, when you get down to ticky-tackies, you know. It's just one thing. Just eat with someone. Today, 2,000 years later, Jesus is still eating with sinners. If we are honest with ourselves, none of us deserves a seat at the table with Jesus. None of us. None of us have loved God with our whole heart, with our soul, our mind. None of us have loved our neighbours as ourselves. And if we're honest with ourselves, each of us deserves to be excluded from the banquet. And indeed, even from God's presence forever. Yet God's feast is a love feast. Coming to Jesus is not for those who think they are righteous, but for those who know they are not. But they're willing to humbly repent and trust Christ alone. It's the power of the Gospel. That's the power of the Gospel. He still eats with sinners. If you feel like There's no way out for you if you feel like your life has taken a turn for the worst. If you feel like Jesus wouldn't accept you, I hope this message has been helpful for you today. As you realise, you are the most accepted. You're You're more accepted than the religious people of the day. You are accepted by Him. You are loved by Him and there is nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And all God desires is for you to accept the invitation to come home, to find your place, to come home and find your seat round the table. Because for those of you who haven't come home yet, there's a chair that's empty and it needs to be filled (laughs) round His table. And that's there where you find that sense of value and belonging. For those of you who've been trying to find it elsewhere, you'll never find it. You'll never find (laughs) it. But I still haven't found. You'll never find it until you find Christ. So Father, I pray this morning that there would be 
just sense the anointing of God in this place, powerful. I just sense the realisation for all of us that we are broken, that we need Him. I sense for all of us that there is a humbling of heart, a God that leads us to Yourself that we need. I come against the piety, the, the pride that we so much carry in ourselves thinking we're all good, you know, go to church every week kind of sing songs every week, try and pray, try and read the Word. God's looking for for a broken heart, a contrite heart, a heart that's prepared to actually submit and surrender That's what He's looking for. The realisation that we are all sinners. We might not have the role of tax collector, but we might as well have. We might as well have. Because we are all that. And Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. I just, I just thank you, God, for the powerful anointing that's here right now that's bringing healing. We felt like not good enough. God's healing your, your heart. He's healing your brokenness. He's mending something in your life. Even as you sit here, even as you've been listening, it's like God's got His little knitting needles out and He's just been working away at, at your heart and at your life, just incredible repair work going on, healing. He heals the brokenhearted, He sets the captives free. He makes the lame to walk again and causes the blind to see because He is able and He wants to because He loves you. So Father, we are all sinners and we all are coming to the cross today to say, God, have your way in our life. Have your way in our life. We want to feast with you. We want to sit at your table. We want to have a banquet with you. We thank you for the banquet that you have prepared for us. The banquet that we can have even now, the banquet of love, the banquet of joy, the banquet of peace, the banquet of hope laid out for us right now. And we can eat from that in this place, in your presence, because you are here. You are here. We thank You. Thank You, Lord. You just sense your heart just overwhelmed with the love of God. There's there's an overwhelming love here this morning. God's love. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Love of God in city. Love of God. I know going through video right now, but God is no respecter of geography. He is is not bound by walls. God can move powerfully right now where you are, right now in the city, right now in Christchurch. God can move powerfully in this moment and begin to heal, begin to mend, begin to fix, begin to repair that which needs repairing in your life. As you prepare yourself and humbly coming before Him and coming to the cross, and realising that Jesus did this for you. He didn't do it for the righteous. He did it for the unrighteous. He did it for you. 
and there's healing. There's healing in every way. Coming against every sick, everything that re- represents sickness in the Name of Jesus. Because on the cross, He took up, up the curse of sickness and disease. I pray healing in Jesus' Name. Healing from any long-term problem, from any men- uh, emotional, mental health issue in your life, from anything that has been plaguing your life physically, just pray for healing right now in Jesus' Name. That the all-powerful One, God Himself, would reach down and touch your life in a moment, as He has done in my own life. In a moment, touch your life and be able to walk out completely healed in Jesus' Name. Come on, God. I know You can do it. I know You want to do it, God as we dedicate these next few days of prayer, this, this night of healing, Lord, I pray that we would see miracles like never before, signs and wonders of, from God that we've never ever even thought of before. God, that there would be a move, that there be a move of God in this place. Let there be a move of God in Christchurch. Let there be a move of God in the city. Let there be a feast this week. A feast, Lord God, like never before. Feasting on who You are. Feasting on what You have for us. Feasting on the blessing of God on our life. The favour of God. Thank You, Lord. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, why don't we stand together? We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website, 